Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Health Talk. I am your host, Dr. Niru Prasad, with my background in pediatrics and emergency medicine, affiliated with Henry Ford Health System, St. Joe, Oakland, and Boma. The theme of our talk today is the breast cancer awareness. This is the segment, this is the second segment of our talk last since last time when Dr. Savita Balaraman and she is uh, our, our guest speaker, I, she is our guest speaker and she is going to highlight our viewers about what about some of what are the risk factors with the with the breast cancer. Good morning, Savita, and welcome to my show. Good morning. Thank you for having me here again. Yeah, and, your sh and last time your show was so good, it was very well liked by, by our viewers. So now this is the continuation of that. So before we get started, could you please give your introduction to our viewers one more time for those who did not attend the first segment. Hi, I'm Savita Balaraman. I'm a medical oncologist. So during the cancer journey, you're likely to encounter numerous doctors. We broadly classify them as medical oncologists, surgical oncologists, and radiation oncologists. Medical oncologists like myself treat cancers with medications, chemotherapy, etc. Surgical oncologists are obviously the surgeons that are involved in the cancer care of patients, and radiation oncologists treat patients with radiation. So I'm the medical oncology sure, part of so the... So you are the expertise in that particular field. Okay. So now we'll just get it started for our viewers. What are the risk factors for the breast cancer? So risk factors can be broadly classified as hormonal, mm -hmm. environmental, lifestyle, and genetics. So when you talk about hormonal risk factors, women who have a prolonged exposure to estrogen, so mm -hmm. early when periods start very early in a person's estrogen. life, as well as late menopause. So the extended exposure to estrogen, uh, women who have never been pregnant or women who start who do not breastfeed, those patients have higher risk. Women who take oral contraceptive mm. pills or prolonged exposure to combined estrogen and progesterone-based hormone replacement therapy. Women who have a previous history of breast cancer have also a likelihood of a higher chance of a second breast cancer. Previous radiation to the chest can increase the risk of breast cancer. Of course, um, women whose family members have cancers, including breast, ovarian, uterine, prostate, melanoma, pancreatic, and other cancers are at increased risk for breast cancer. So it's very important to understand your family history. Um, women who also have um, certain lifestyles, so women who drink alcohol on a regular basis, postmenopausal obesity is associated with an increased likelihood of breast cancer. So one thing I wanted to ask you about this, the, the, you talked about the hormone factors. How, how about the dense breast tissue, like the connective tissue, more, more chances? So, Could you highlight about viewers? Yes, it is very important that women look at their mammogram and if it yeah. says they have dense breast tissue, it can mask small masses on the mammogram. So those women need an ultrasound of the breast to pick up 
early cancer. So that is a very important aspect of your mammogram. Yeah, those, those with the dense connective tissue. In the breast. So there should be a, a good, they should be followed up with uh, several mammograms and, and then decide whatever, you know, ultrasound and mm -hmm. all that. So that's, that's, it's good to know for them. So risk factors, those who could be avoided, those who could not be avoided, we will change, we will do it in different segments. So what is the fertility? So what, what can I do about to lower my risk? First, that can be risk that can be avoided. So you have modifiable risk factors, obviously, like we talked about, decreasing the amount of alcohol intake mm. in women because women metabolize alcohol differently than men. Than men uh, yeah. Exercising on a regular basis and eating healthy to avoid the postmenopausal obesity or increased body uh, mass index as a risk factor. Knowing your genetic factors, so knowing your yeah. family history is very important because those women, in addition to a mammogram, may also benefit from an MRI and there may be medications that they can go on to modify the risk factors. Talking to your physician before going on oral contraceptive pills or combined hormone replacement therapy after menopause. Both of those are very important aspects of discussing with your physician and annual mammograms because right. there are yes. certain high-risk lesions. I was going to ask you this very important. Right? Very, yeah. I cannot overestimate or you know speak enough about the preventive role of mammograms mm. because there are some high risk lesions that mammograms can pick up yeah. which are not necessarily cancer but they give you a, yeah. a, a risk assessment of the mm. likelihood of future cancers and at that point you can intervene and prevent cancer with medication with the medication or something like a lobular carcinoma in, in C2 situ, or yes. something and it's that the, it will show in the mammogram correct so atypical cells which atypical. are abnormal cells which yeah. haven't turned into cancer mm -hmm. so those are called atypical ductal hyperplasia yeah, or that. atypical lobular hyperplasia or as you mentioned lobular carcinoma lobular. in situ. So all those things can be picked up. So for our viewers to know, very, very important to get the annual mammogram. So are these breast cancer patients who can avoid chemo safely? Yes. Early stage, middle stage and the late stage. Would you highlight our viewers about that? Yes. So the, one of the biggest advances with cancer today, hmm. the biggest taboo about the word cancer has been the fear of chemotherapy, right. fear of the side effects of hmm. treatment, not to mention the actual diagnosis and the prognosis. So today, with, in certain types of breast cancer, and early breast cancer, there is a high likelihood of avoiding chemotherapy. So if you have a cancer that's less than five millimeters, that's half a centimeter, less than five. Okay. yes, yeah. most of the time women do not need chemotherapy. In hormone-sensitive prostate cancers that are over five millimeters, mm. there are tests that can be performed on the cancer to determine whether addition of chemotherapy gives you any additional benefit or could you just be treated with anti-hormonal therapy? So over 80% of estrogen-positive breast cancer today can avoid chemotherapy right, safely. Which is good to know. Yes. I, was, I read it someplace, you know, and then that is very, very good thing to know. They can avoid it. And they can still get the same benefit same without benefit. going through chemotherapy. Yeah, so. 
So it's very, very important to that. And then, so what are the now? What are the advances with the chemotherapy side effects? Can you come in? A lot of the time, you know, we are, they are worried about the hair loss. And, Absolutely. Uh, and no fatigue, vomiting. Absolutely. So today with early stage breast cancer, hmm. there are certain cooling devices that women can wear okay. on their scalp, on their scalp. which can dramatically diminish the risk of hair loss. Okay. So unlike in the previous years, you can't even tell that a person is receiving chemotherapy right. because most of them are able to retain most of their hair and right. look normal. Oh. As far as nausea and vomiting, the supportive medications and the anti-nausea medications oh. we have today are very effective. In fact, we have certain intravenous injections we give before chemotherapy that last in the bloodstream for up to five days. Is that so? Yeah. That is great to know. So five days, no nausea. Yes, so we can avoid that immediate mm -hmm. nausea after chemo as well as delayed nausea. And hence, women are able to function relatively normal. Most most of our patients who are getting chemotherapy for breast cancer are able to continue to work, enjoy life with yeah. their family, so they're not bed-bound, they're not severely limited by the chemotherapy. Right. Of course, it's important if you have side effects to bring it up with your doctor so they can intervene early on and prevent you from getting sick. That is good to know, you know, because especially if they are nausea, if they are vomiting, leads to dehydration and they cannot function mentally mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. So it's good to know that those long acting anti-nausea medication helps, helps, helps with those. Now, could you comment on the short course versus the long, long course? Prevent the heart from getting radiated, especially with the left sided. Yep. That's a very important important question yes. to be answered right so I majority of women with breast cancer who mm. undergo a lumpectomy which is a partial breast removal uh, need radiation and women with lymph node positive breast cancer also need radiation there have been several advances in radiotherapy techniques. So there are shorter abbreviated courses. Mm -hmm. There's a balloon radiation, which is a shorter course. There's a five day radiation. There's a 15 day radiation. And rarely women need six weeks six, of radiation. Oh, but the radiation planning fields have become so sophisticated that most women do not experience severe skin toxicity like in the past. Mm -hmm. There are cases where some women are sensitive, but majority of women are able to tolerate radiation tolerate side effects. The radiation, yeah. Now, there is also a technique called activated breath control, uh, where um, they're able to target the tissue that needs to be radiated while you're breathing and therefore that limits the amount of radiation that the heart receives. So with left-sided breast cancer, we're worried about the amount of radiation heart. that the heart receives right. that could lead to long-term damage. That has been severely, that has been significantly decreased whereby women typically do not develop long-term cardiac side effects. Yeah, so this is, I, I read about this in, in one of the journal article. I was very fascinated how you can just target those area so, so the heart is not affected. Correct. That is very good to know, the short course. Now, fertility concern, they want to know, am I fertile, can I have a child? 
So one of the risk factors that I forgot to mention was as women get older, the longer we live, the higher the likelihood of breast cancer. Right. But that does not mean that young women cannot get breast cancer. Yes. So today we're actually seeing a lot more younger women with breast cancer yeah, due to yeah. numerous risk factors, so including risk environmental, factor. genetic, etc. Yeah. The good thing is most of these women can go on to have normal pregnancies and normal children. Okay. But it is very important to discuss with your medical oncologist about your fertility planning. Some chemotherapies may require you to undergo um, egg banking uh, or embryo uh, banking. Yeah, embryo. Um, the others may require you to undergo medications that can suppress your menstrual periods during chemotherapy so as to safeguard your eggs from being exposed to chemo and therefore de decrease the extent of damage. Most of our breast cancer, young breast cancer patients have normal children. In fact, they bring their children to our oh, to their okay. follow-up visits. Which is, is such a good thing to see, you know. It something. is so rewarding. Yeah, so yes. rewarding, yes. yeah. And also, you know, like during my clinical practice, working at the women's health, health centers and all the lot of birth control pills I prescribe to them. Can you tell me the, you know, the side effects, the birth control uh, pills and the causing sterility or the fetal malformation? So one of the things that we see uh, is, as I mentioned earlier, oral contraceptive pills for up to five years mm. after you stop them has an increased likelihood of causing breast cancer. Okay. The other side effect I see as a hematologist, because majority of oncologists are also practicing hematologists who yeah. take care of blood disorders. We see that women on oral contraceptive pills are have a higher risk of blood clots. Oh. So it's very important yeah. to know your family One, history. Another, I wanted to ask you about the thrombophlebitis and the blood clots with the birth control pills. Yes, so. oral contraceptive pills can increase the risk can, yeah. of blood clots. So if you have a family history of blood clots, strokes, or multiple miscarriages, it's important you talk to your primary care physician. Before you get the, before you get the, get the so does everyone with the breast cancer need a mastectomy? No, in <laughs> fact, today, majority of women can just go through a lumpectomy okay. and radiation in most cases after, yeah. and they get the same benefit as right. a mastectomy for treatment of breast cancer. Yeah. So cosmetically, you can't even tell much of the difference. Yeah. And there are a lot of plastic uh, surgery techniques that can make sure the symmetry of the breast is, is maintained, maintained even yeah. after a lumpectomy. You know, there has been so much of advancement in the surgical techniques, you know, within all these years. So amazing, isn't mm -hmm. it? Yes. You have a little scar and the whole thing is done. In many cases, the breast surgeons today are so good that you can't even see the scar. It is so yeah. well healed. So, yeah, amazing, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Okay. And now what the complication? Yeah, this is very important question. I have seen a couple of people in the emergency room. They come with a diffuse edema lymphedema uh, so i you know i just try to treat them basic treatment and refer them to you could you comment on this lymphedema yes so lymphedema a is a condition where usually one limb is enlarged right. or swollen 
in the olden days, breast cancer patients were often at risk for lymphedema. Yeah. And if you see some of the older women about 25, 30 years ago who had treatment, the arm, were, the side yeah. of the breast where they had cancer, that arm is disproportionately enlarged. Yeah. And the reason for that is in the olden days, surgery for breast cancer included a mastectomy, but also they removed lymph a lot nodes. of lymph nodes from under lymph the nodes, armpit. Yeah. And then most of the women got radiation. So removing the lymph node from under the armpit and then radiating uh, would also increase the risk of decreasing lymph flow. Lymph yeah. is a fluid, which is a milk-like fluid yeah. that travels through the body. Mm -hmm. It's present in all parts of the body. But when the lymph glands are obstructed or removed, the lymph flow is inhibited and therefore women develop lymphedema, which is a risk factor for cellulitis and for secondary right. cancers. Today, majority of women do not require more than two to five lymph nodes removed, and therefore the chance of lymphedema, even if they were to get radiated, is much lower. What we are also doing better today is preventive techniques. All of these women, their um, arms are measured before they even start treatment oh, okay. to look for the earliest signs of lymphedema. Signs, yeah. We initiate physical therapy. The, there are dedicated lymphedema therapists hmm. and lymphedema clinics where women can go and learn massage <coughs> techniques and wrapping techniques yeah. to decrease the chance of lymphedema. So this is amazing because before I used to say all the big, lymphedema in the limbs and also the complicated factor like uh, like you know lymphedema infection cellulitis mm -hmm. we don't see that anymore and it's also very uh, <coughs> difficult for women if they're right-handed and they have significant lymphedema in the right hand the functionality of that hand is decreased so prevention definitely is better than very treating very important yeah so now the reconstructive surgery, how long they should be waiting? So today, most women can get plastic reconstructive surgery right after their mastectomy in the same sitting. In so the same sitting? In the oh, same okay. sitting. They can get both? Both done. Um, delayed reconstruction is only recommended in a very small subset of the population. So again, going to a multidisciplinary breast care team where you can talk to the surgeon, the medical <coughs> oncologist, mm. the radiation doctor, and the reconstructive surgeon helps you understand the entire spectrum of options and make sure that you're getting everything done in a timely fashion without delaying cancer care. Yeah, so that is good. So how often do you have those multidisciplinary a meeting and clinic when you get to talk to all of the... So multidisciplinary cl uh, clinics are held every week. So every what week? happens is okay. newly diagnosed patients are presented at a one hour long meeting. It's called okay. a multidisciplinary okay. tumor board where mm -hmm. the medical oncologist, the radiation oncologist, surgical oncologist, the radiologist and the pathologist are present. Everybody. And we're able to see the patient's history from start hmm. to where they are in their cancer journey. And all of us together come up with a comprehensive treatment plan for them. For yeah. them. So from a surgical aspect, from a medical hmm. aspect and a radiation aspect, and also discuss the pros and cons of immediate reconstruction versus delayed reconstruction. So that's excellent thing to know, the yes. multidisciplinary. The one thing I forgot to ask you before, the role of 
alcohol and smoking aggravating the breast cancer. So there's definite data Is there now. any basic factor on it or just a speculation? It, the alcohol aspect of it has clearly been proven in women because, yeah. as I mentioned before, women metabolize, metabolize less. alcohol less. less. Uh, I mean, alcohol, yes, they metabolize Longer it differently. Time in the blood. Correct. So their exposure to alcohol. So if a woman drinks two glasses of wine a day, mm -hmm. every day versus a male, the risk factor for the woman is a lot higher. So the current recommendation is if you can drink less than five glasses of wine a week, that would mm -hmm. be ideal. Okay. In fact, you would be surprised. I read an article by the American Society of Clinical Oncology a few years ago where they said the safest limit for alcohol is complete abstinence. Complete. Now, we know <laughs> that that's not true. It's so limiting. not true, this modern world. Yes. You know, everybody wants to have a little bit. So limiting the amount of alcohol limit. and making sure that we're not continuously going over the uh, you know, safe limit would be the best way. And also not to mention the importance of, uh, not to forget the importance of diet and exercise. Yeah, diet and exercise, meditation has a role. Well, so a lot of men and women come to us and ask us about stress. Hmm. They say the we've had a life altering event and could that have led to the, you know, uh, diagnosis of cancer. I think the direct association of stress and cancer is yet to be well established, mm. but you can imagine stress does bring together a huge chemical storm in the body, exactly. release of cytokines. So I don't uh, doubt at all mm -hmm. that that plays a role in poor health. So learning to not just live with stress and modify stress, yeah, take but it out. trying to make sure that we have good yeah. coping mechanisms yeah. and avoid stress like meditation, yoga, yoga running, yeah. exercise. These are fantastic ways of us making sure we're yeah. able to handle life situations mm. comfortably. Yeah, but you know, this is stress management in it, everybody is starting from the children, causing mental depression and all those. So I think yoga, meditation, they definitely they play a significant role, right? Yes. Yeah, so when you talk about well-being today, I think we have well to make sure that physical, mental, and emotional well-being are addressed Very as a whole, not just looking at the physical aspect or one aspect of well-being. Right. That's very important to know, yeah. Uh, did we cover everything? There's something more in my, my mind that I wanted to ask you. Anything else you would like to highlight? So our? one of the things we had talked about is can we safely avoid chemotherapy in early stage? Right. But yeah. even in advanced stage breast cancer today, we have a lot of non-chemotherapy medications. Okay. So we yeah. can use anti-estrogen uh, pills. We also have targeted mutations that we can check in a patient with advanced breast cancer. That's, what the, that's the one I wanted to ask you about, the targeted mutation yes. and oxygen. Yes, so there are targeted mutations, there are mutations, for instance, PIK3 is a mutation that's often seen in breast cancer. Mm -hmm. Women with PIK3 mutations are eligible for a pill in advanced stage breast cancer, oh. even without chemotherapy, okay. they have the same benefit. Yeah. There are also 
targeted pills that can treat women with genetic mutations. So okay. patients who have mutations like mm. BRCA1 and BRCA2 who have a history of breast cancer mm. can be treated with medications with called PARP inhibitors, Olaparib, etc. Yeah, so that this, is another advancement. Yeah, this is what was going through my mind when I read about this pills. So I'm glad you, you covered this area. I'd like to thank you for coming to my show. I'd like to thank our viewers, our producer for helping me produce this video. And uh, this, this is about the breast cancer, breast cancer outreach program by our uh, medical oncologist, Dr. Savita Balaraman. And uh, I'd like to thank her. And until I see you all, have a very safe, spring and summer happy thank and you healthy again. new year thank, thank you thank you happy new year <laughs> yeah yeah